Welcome to Midweek Liberty. I'm Jay Dillon Proctor. And I'm Anthony Alegria. And today we're going to be talking a little bit about Advent, which of course this is the Advent season, and for those who may not be familiar with the, the language of Advent, it simply means the coming of the Messiah, the coming of the Christ child. And it's an exciting thing. It, it has a lot of, of things which have shaped uh, world history. Of course, from the, the Gospels, we really see the, the story of Advent begin both in the Gospel of Matthew and in the Gospel of, of Luke. But for now, I want us just to take a, a quick reading out of the Gospel of Luke. So, Anthony, would you read for us? This is 2, 4 through 7. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be enrolled with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to be delivered. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. All right, so let's talk a little bit about this aspect of the story, which is the fact that there was no room for them in the inn. Of course, we can drive around anywhere and, and see nativity scenes galore. There's a lot of them that are really beautiful. They're really stimulating. But the one thing that really makes the nativity scene, um, the nativity scene is you see the whole family there. You see uh, Mary, you see Joseph, you see baby Jesus, and they're usually in a stable and, and there's usually a manger involved, but you never see this happening just within an inn because that's one of the critical parts of the story, that there was no room for them in the inn. So what really is the, the whole deal with this, this thing that there was no room for them at the inn? Well, according to Walter Russell Bowie in the Interpreter's Bible, he believes that this is a setup for a parable that the inn is related to a person's soul. And obviously Christ is the Holy Spirit, Jesus, you know. And um, the idea is that logically the inn could have only been too full or the person who ran the inn didn't realize who Jesus was. So either the inn was already full, the human soul already had too much on its plate, or... It didn't realize to take the time of day at that late time of night to accept Jesus into the inn. And, you know, whatever circumstance may be, the human soul didn't realize what it was missing out on. So basically, by them away. he's making the claim that the, room, the fact that there was no room in the inn is an illustration for the concept that within our soul, there's not always enough room for, for God. There's not enough room for, for Christ. Um, so this is interesting. Uh, and at, in order for us to really have a, a good conversation about this, we really need to talk about the soul. And definitely our modern culture, a, a lot of times people move away from the language of soul because it sounds sort of mystic. And personally, I'm not someone who is, is very mystic in the way that I, I view theology. But at the same time, it's, it's important for us to, to not be so quick to throw out a lot of ancient concepts. It takes us only a few seconds to say, well, we know more about how, how the world works, so we're just going to throw out everything that has happened in human history up to this point. And I don't think that's necessarily the, the wisest thing. One thing that's unmistakably true is that the world is a lot more complicated than we are aware of it. And people learn how to interact in the world a long time before they, they learn to articulate things well in language. And as we look at the concept of the soul, one of the things that is, has become a little bit evident to me, I haven't totally come to a position where I'm 
100% at peace on this. But as we've studied the concept of the soul, and even here at the the church I pastor here in Jolton, Jolton Church of the Nazarene, he been here with me and Anthony, we've been talking about the fact that the soul really is connected to this idea of the the vitality of one's consciousness. And that's something which is definitely part about what the ancients were, were communicating. Even if we look at some of the, the various Bible dictionaries, um, the New Interpreter Bible's dictionary, Joel B. Green, who is writing on the language of the soul, he even goes out of the way to say that if you go back to the Greek language, you get suke. It's not just the idea of soul, but it's really the idea of, of a person's vitality. And this is something which is really a, a quite complicated concept, but at the same time, it's not extraordinarily complicated. It just takes us a little bit to, to conceptualize. Something about the soul is the ancient's way of conceptualizing the vitality of, of our consciousness, the vitality of our moral compass. And even if we, we think about the soul and we think about how how people have the soul corrupted, people have a damaged soul, and they need restoration of the soul. They need healing. They need forgiveness and things like that. We can objectively look at the world around us and see that there are things in life which can corrupt the the vitality of our, our moral compass, the vitality of our consciousness. Objectively speaking, we can see that there are things that can harm the vitality of our consciousness. Yeah, there really are. Uh, if we go back and we look at a lot of the stuff which are, are defined as sin, and we look at the, even the concept of sin, and we, we extrapolate that to to include a lot of things in our modern world, we look at people who do things like they get involved in a car accident with, with the driver being drunk and somebody uh, dies as a result of that. We can see these are examples where somebody has done something and it is it has hurt the vitality of their consciousness a lot of people who have who have been in situations like that they've gone out and they've they've been the one who is the drunk driver in that situation they have to live with that after the fact and some people they feel guilt over it and other people they they may feel no remorse over it at all and that's quite interesting because either way you look at it people's moral compass can be compromised if you've had something traumatic happen in life that you have done that can water down your ability to to think critically and to, to have a good, solid moral compass. You can't look at the world with critical thinking and have a very neutral understanding of the world because something has, has corrupted the, the vitality and the endurance of your own moral compass. And if you look to the opposite of that, people who don't feel remorse, they're equally corrupted because they're no longer really able to, to contribute to society in a productive way. Something has happened which is you could say, corrupted their soul. It has corrupted their ability to, to have a strong and, and vital moral compass. Now, as we look at other other things that people do, like robbing a bank or or other or just general problems which we could associate with sin, if we look at them, we can see how these really corrupt people's ability to have a a really healthy conscience, and it's it's something which is really interesting. Is the soul corrupted only by sin? And yeah, when we're talking about the things which can corrupt the soul and what can corrupt somebody's stable consciousness, it's not just um, sin that does that. Of course, a lot of evil. Can happen. People can be victimized as children. People can have really tragic things happen in their life at any point in their life, or they can have evil happen to them at any point in their life, and that can that can wear down the soul. That can wear down the vitality of people's moral compass, and that that is something which we should really behold. Because if we we look at the language of the soul, we look at the concept of Christ coming in to bring restoration, to bring forgiveness, and to heal the soul, and take and elevate us to a a greater level of living then we really 
We should think about that. We shouldn't be so quick to, to throw out the language of the soul just because it sounds mystic. And we shouldn't be so quick to, to throw out the idea of Christ coming to bring healing and restoration. Is the vitality of our consciousness corrupted only by things which are sin? I don't think so. I think a lot of things can happen. And when we talk about consciousness, it's, it's quite interesting. And again, we were a bit of a, a toss-up, and we have been for a while, on exactly how to define this, because it, it's much more than just consciousness itself, the soul is. And there's some element there about the something which can transcend consciousness. The soul is something which can transcend just the bodily form. Obviously, if someone comes in here and, and chops my arm off, I would still have the roughly the same amount of, of consciousness, though it may be something traumatic and, and adds a little bit of stress there, but I'm, I'm essentially the same person. The soul can endure that. However, if there's something wrong in the way that one reacts to something, um, like having your arm chopped off, you, you could have your... It just depends. It's, it's much more... Consciousness is much more than just the body. It obviously transcends the bodily form, but it's much more than just consciousness itself because that in and of itself can fluctuate. Um, there are things we're aware of, things we're not aware of. We're not quite brilliant enough to be totally self-aware of, of everything in the, the realm of our minds. And there's something about the, just the vitality of our moral compass that's really important. Well, as we, we discuss all of this, and we go back to the idea of Christ being born, and there not being enough room for Christ in the end, and we look at the concept of the soul, we really have this question, is there enough room in our lives, is there enough room in our moral compass for Christ to come in and bring restoration? If we've had something come and cripple the vitality of our, our moral compass, if, our, if the vitality of our, our consciousness has been crippled, do we have room for Christ to come, for Christ to come as the Lagos, this mechanism of orderly transformation? Do we have room for that to come and bring restoration to us? And that's, that's where I'm going to, to leave this today. I really want you to ponder that. The Advent season is here. Ask yourself the question, do you have room for Christ in your soul?